0: What's up, everybody? It's your boy, Joshua Edwards, live from from my parents' kitchen. This is Season 2, Episode 3 of Joshua's Proximity. And man, do I have a banger for you on today's episode. But before I even get into Episode 3 of Season 2, let me just go ahead and give you just a little update of how my life is going so far. Rehab right now is kicking my ass. My shoulder is killing me. Man, on Friday, they had me doing all types of exercises, uh, a lot of rotation, a lot of lifting, a lot of pushing and pulling. And my shoulder is, ah, it feels like it's about to pop back out. So I think this entire weekend, you know, Saturday as I'm watching the McGregor fight, and even Sunday as I'm watching, you know, the football games and everything, I'm just going to take it easy. I'm just going to be icing it. Not a lot of moving, not a lot of going places. Just staying home, just coasting, man. Also, man, I got some terrible news. I don't know what it is about the month of January, but last year, you know, we had Kobe Bryant passing, and it's it's four days until the one year anniversary of Kobe Bryant dying. Rest in peace, Kobe Bryant. But man, also my grandmother, she just passed. Man, grandmother LMA Edwards, she was eighty eight. Um, man, I'm speechless. Man, that woman was probably the, that was the most nicest and sincere woman. I think anybody could ever meet if you if she didn't even know you, man, she would give you the clothes off her back. And that's the that's the honest truth, man. Grandma, I love you. I'm going to continue just to inspire just to be the man that, you know, God has called me to be. I'll be continue to be great. I love you so, so much, Grandma. Uh, Trying not to get choked up, but uh, I got to finish this episode and I got to finish the rest of my life. So I love you so much, Grandma. But, man, let me go ahead and jump right into episode three. So on this past Wednesday, as everybody nationwide, worldwide, was watching the 59th presidential election for Joe Biden. Now, myself and a couple other people, you know, worldwide, nationwide, was thinking this same exact question. How in the hell is this the 59th presidential inauguration when there's only been 46 presidents? Think about that. Now, of course, I had to do my due diligence and I had to do some research and go on Google. You know, Google is definitely my best friend whenever I'm trying to look up topics for the podcast or whatever. But the reason why there has been 59 presidential inaugurations, because some presidents had to restate and redo their inauguration and their presidential oath. So one example was Barack Obama. Now, Barack Obama... He had to redo his presidential oath four times if I'm not mistaken. And the reason why he had to do it four times is because he misstated a word here, he misstated a word there, the Supreme Justice Chief Justice of the of Supreme Court, he misstated a word, so they had to go back and do, you know, the presidential oath four times. So I believe that that had happened, you know, to several other presidents. So that's why there has been 59 presidential inaugurations instead of it being 46 and not presidential inauguration so another interesting fact did you know that the presidential oath was actually 35 words for some reason I just pictured the presidential oath being a lot longer than 35 words and to be honest with you I know for a fact that the vice presidential oath was a lot longer than 35 words because Kamala Harris was up there seemed like all day But aside from her being up there all day, man, they deserved it. They won this election fair and square. I am excited for this presidential office, man. We all know that racism is alive and well and thriving and booming. And we all know what the United States is right now. And it's been like that for years. But I just really hope and pray that this presidential party does right by the people. Forget about doing what's right for yourselves. What's right for just one side of the nation. Just do what's right for the entire United States, man. If you keep that first, then we're going to be all right. But let me go ahead and switch gears, man. There is a huge fight tomorrow between Conor McGregor and Dustin Poirier, UFC 257. We all know what type of numbers are going to be broken. Anytime that Conor McGregor is on the scene, I'm tuning in, I'm paying the pay-per-view, and I'm watching my man's fight. I watched him fight against uh, Eddie Alvarez. I watched him fight Floyd Mayweather. I watched him fight Khabib. I watched him fight Nate Diaz, man, so on and so forth. You already know he's going to break the pay-per-view records again, especially in a pandemic. Man, Conor McGregor is box office. I expect him to knock Dustin out in the first round like he did the last time that they fought. And we all we all believe that this is just a little warm up, man, so that Conor McGregor can get a shot at the lightweight title, so he can get his rematch against Khabib. I really hope that that happens, but that's that's another topic for another discussion. But I got Conor McGregor in the first round knockout. I got him. I got Conor catching Dustin with a mean left, a left kick. Let me be a little more specific. A left kick to the face, and he's finishing him off on the ground, ground and pound. But I'm just so excited for this fight, man. We haven't seen Conor fight in a year. He's been taking care of his body. He's conditioning his right. He's doing all types of interviews with Stephen A. Smith, ESPN. And like I said, I got Conor in the first round. Now, on my last episode, episode two of season two, there was a lot of optimism. I believe that the Brooklyn Nets... Everybody knows how badly I was on Kyrie's case. And I said, man, the Brooklyn Nets can come out of the East. But I'm starting to see a trend, and everybody who knows basketball, everybody who watches the game of basketball, not from, yeah, from a fan standpoint, but actually dissecting the game, we see that the Brooklyn Nets have a problem. Their problem is their defense, man. They can't get a stop on defense to save their lives. Now, I've seen a lot of comparison to the 2017 Golden State Warriors. Now, when you look at the Warriors, yes, they had Kevin Durant. Yes, they had Stephen Curry. Yes, they had Klay Thompson. But they also had a very good one, a very good bench. They had Livingstone coming off the bench. Um, A couple other pieces that I can't really think of at the moment. But they were sound on defense. The Brooklyn Nets play no defense. Kyrie Irving is a liability on the defensive side, man. They play the Cleveland Cavaliers. And on Kyrie's tribute day, a guy that was wearing Kyrie's number, Colin Sexton, gave him 42 points. Kyrie is a liability on defense. James Harden, he does not play defense. He may play some help side defense. He might steal the ball. On the ball, he's he's horrible. Kevin Durant, uh, he's okay. Joe Harris, stop it. DeAndre Jordan, look now. DeAndre Jordan is 32. He looks like he's 38 out there. There's a lot of issues with the Brooklyn Nets, man. They're not deep. I believe that they should get rid of Kyrie Irving right now, man. If you just look at their team as a whole on the defensive side, yes, they can score. Kyrie Irving had 34. Kevin Durant had 30. James Harden had 32. And the Cleveland Cavaliers put up 147 on them. The Cavs are the worst offensive team in the entire NBA. Out of 30 teams... The Cleveland Cavaliers are number 30, and they put 147 on the nets. Sexton gave them 42. I'm not liking it. I'm not liking the trend that I'm seeing right now. Not only did Sexton give them 42, but the Cavs were shooting over 50% from the floor and shooting 50% from three. They shot the three ball 40 times. And they hit 20 shots. That was almost an NBA record. Come on, man. How much stock are we putting in the Nets defense right now? I'm sorry, but I'm shipping off Kyrie Irving for some pieces. I got to get some defense, man. I got to get some depth on my bench. They shot 109 shots. And they shot over 50% from the floor. Huh? Oh, yeah, my fault, man. I forgot to mention that Kevin Love didn't play. They had Seti Osman going for 25 points. I know that I was saying that the the Brooklyn Nets could be a championship contender, but, man, they had a guy named Dotson going for 15 points. I think when you look at the 2017 Warriors and this year's Brooklyn Nets, you can compare them as far as superstar talent but as a team as a whole, it's not there's no comparison. The Nets, they don't play any defense. The Warriors, their bench is way deeper than the Brooklyn Nets. And this is this is a recipe for disaster. I see them getting out of the first round, but when they play the Sixers, Embiid is going to go crazy down there. He should average forty and twenty that entire series. He should at least average forty and fifteen, man. They don't have anybody that can stop him. When they play the Celtics, who's going to guard Tatum? Who's going to guard Jalen Brown? When they play the Bucks, who's going to stop Giannis? Ah, man, I love the players that the Brooklyn Nets have, but this is a recipe for disaster. Everybody's antennas should be up. Everybody should be seeing that their defense is terrible. It's abysmal. Everybody needs to remember what I'm saying. And please pay attention to the Brooklyn Nets. And, man, you already know what time it is. Now it's time to get down to the NFL and this part of my section. Now, before I get to my playoff predictions for the AFC and the NFC Championship game, I'm frustrated, y'all. I don't know what else can be done about the Rooney Rule. I don't know what else can be done about black coaches within the National Football League. But this shit is getting ridiculous now. We got coaches that are tight end coaches that are getting head jobs. We got a guy in Josh McCown who's getting interviews as a head coach while being on the practice squad of the team that he's getting the head coaching interview from. He is currently on the practice squad for the Houston Texans. And they interviewed him for the head coaching position. Man, if this isn't privilege, I don't know what is, man. He has zero coaching experience. He was just an analyst for ESPN. He came out of retirement to be on the practice squad for this past year. And he's getting a head coaching job? Man, the NFL, they should be ashamed. The Houston Texans, they should be ashamed. If I'm Deshaun Watson, I'm out of there. There's nothing else for me to talk about with you guys, man. Because one, you're playing with my career. And two, the fact that you couldn't even interview Eric B. Enemy, or you couldn't interview any other coaches that are offensive-minded, but you interview the practice squad player as our head coach, you got to be out of your mind. That's like me. That's like me getting the head coaching offer from Shaw University while playing football. Are you crazy? I have zero coaching experience. Oh, only thing they can say about Joshua Joshua Edwards is he's a very nice guy. He knows football and he he's just everybody just gravitates towards him. Where's my coaching experience, bro? Where are the prerequisites, man? What, what are the qualifications to be an NFL head coach? I know what it is. only thing I do is just be white and have a little bit of connection. Like, what are we talking about? You got Andy Reid praising Eric Bieniemy saying, I wish my son would play for a coach like that. He can't even get an interview. Don't tell me that Ron Rivera and the head coaching silas for the Jets is a minority. They're not. You only have two black coaches left in the entire National Football League. There's 32 teams. One play one coaches for the Miami Dolphins and the other one coaches for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Now the Steelers they don't fire their coaches. But I mean, are we being serious right now? Can we honestly and truthfully say that we are being truthful in our hiring process, are we really looking at who the best candidate is for a job? No, we're not. He's on the, f- I'm about to, oh my, I'm about I'm, man, I'm about to say the F. He is on the practice squad for the Houston Texans. And he is about to become the head coach. He's getting interviewed to be a head coach while being on the practice squad. I've never heard of that before. Deshaun Watson, get out of there, bruh. They are playing with you. Then they're going to interview. Then they're going to interview Jim Caldwell. Come on, man, stop it! Y'all just trying to save face right now. Y'all are not hiring no black guy. Who are we kidding? If I'm Roger Goodell, if if this goes through, and they hire Josh McCown, I'm not going to lie to you. I'm gonna ha- I might have to go to Congress. Congress, we got to get somebody out. We have to get the McMahon family out of the Houston Texans organization because it's bullshit. Nothing about that is right. How can you be on the practice squad and then turn around and get a head coaching consideration? Zero coaching experience. The only thing I can say is he's a nice guy and he knows football. I mean, I can't make this stuff up, man. At the end of the day, man, I mean, what more can you say? Roger Goodell, he's he's, he's trying everything, man. The only way that this is going to change is if in 2030 when they have a, the new CBA, they got to do something with the head coaching position, man. The Rooney rule, it's, it's just played out, man. You got to interview one black coach. You know you're not going to hire the guy. You're not even really going to take him into consideration. Like Mike McCarthy. Did, Did anybody believe that Mike McCarthy was the best coach for the Dallas Cowboys? Like, I really want people to understand. This guy was on the practice squad last year as a quarterback. He is getting considerations for head coaching That is racist. That is racist. Systemic racism. Oppression. They're kidding. They're fooling themselves, man. If I'm Roger Goodell, I'm sorry, man. He might, the the McMahon family, they might have to put up the Texans for sale, man. Now, it's kind of hard. You know, you really can't tell a billionaire what to do. But good God, man, this is crazy. This is outrageous. This is blastful, shameful. It's shameful. It's disrespectful. It's disrespectful to the game. They're being disrespectful to the game, point blank simple. But, man, let me go ahead and focus actually on the matchups that's at task. So we all know who's playing in the AFC Championship game. You got the Buffalo Bills, who I have been raving about all season. Josh Allen, the people know that I love Micah Hyde, that's my guy, The people know that I love the Buffalo Bills. I've been saying time and time again, they are my second favorite team in the National Football League versus Pat Mahone boys. He's back from a concussion. They got all the weapons. They got Travis Kelsey. They got Tyreek Hill. Um, I think they're getting back Clyde Edwards-Alaire. I expect this game to be a good game, man. I expect to see a lot of passing the football I'm expecting to, I'm expecting to see offensive coordinators to go in their bag. I'm expecting to see um Mahomes and Josh Allen throw the rock at least 50 times. I expect it to be a shootout. Now, if I'm not being biased and if I'm being completely 100%, I seriously believe that the Kansas City Chiefs will win. I think no bias. I see right now Kansas City 34 And the Buffalo Bills thirty, I see it being a really close game. Now, all biased, I've been already posted on Facebook. I had the Bills winning the Super Bowl going all the way. So if I'm being biased, I got to stick by my pick, and I'm going the Buffalo Bills that game. But like I just said, I seriously believe that the the Kansas City Chiefs will win. But all biased aside, no being biased, I'm going with the Buffalo Bills, um, twenty-seven to 23 I got the bills now on the NFC side so much is at stake for Aaron Rodgers man we're talking about a guy that is one in three in NFC championship games he's never had an NFC championship home game he has been begging and pleading to get an NFC championship game in Hill's building and that's what he got he's playing against Tom Brady Tom Brady changes conferences Not only does he go into the playoffs in the wild card, but he takes out the Redskins. He goes to New Orleans, and he made Drew Brees retire. Now, if he comes in Green Bay, and he beats Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay, I believe two things. One, I mean, we already know who the GOAT is. Tom Brady's the GOAT. But this just extends his GOATness so far his first year transitioning conferences, and he makes it to the Super Bowl. Regardless if they win or not, he's the only. He will be the only team ever to host uh, a Super Bowl in their own home stadium. And the second thing is, if the Green Bay Packers lose, I believe that Aaron Rodgers' his legacy takes a hit. You ask for all those things, you have it in your home stadium. And you lose to a guy that changes conferences, changes team, without there being any OTAs, without there being any um offseason workouts. Yeah, they did a little stuff on the field in Tampa Bay. But if he comes there and he wins, Aaron Rodgers can never ever be considered into the GOAT discussion. He will be second at best. And it's just that simple. Point blank, period. Tom Brady, I gotta go with them boys this weekend. Now I'm a little biased because I'm an Antonio Brown fan. I love Tom Brady. I love this matchup between two terrific quarterbacks, two all time greats. like I'm really gonna absorb all of this football, just great football this weekend. But if I'm being biased, I gotta go with the bucks this weekend, man. I believe that one, the Green Bay Packers, I still don't believe that that they are very a very physical football team. I believe that if the Bucks run the football early and often, and they start nickel and dime the Green Bay Packers, they would win this game. But if I'm putting my bias aside, uh, I still I can see Green Bay winning this game. Now, Green Bay, in order for them to win, one, they gotta they gotta pressure Tom Brady. Two, they gotta protect Aaron Rodgers. Three, they gotta run the football. They have to get a sense of a run game, in this game especially. Because it's going to be cold, you already know what type of looks you're going to be getting when it comes to Devontae Adams. You're going to be getting man under uh, with a a safety help over top, double team, a lot of zone coverages, a lot of blitz coming from his direction. Like, you already know what to expect. And we're just two days away, so biased aside, I got Green Bay. 38 to 30. If I'm being biased, I got to go with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. 32 to 27. That's what I see this week. So my Super Bowl prediction, for Josh's proximity sake, I got to go the Bills versus the Green Bay Packers. Now, that's, that's being biased. Now, if I'm not being biased, I'm being 100%, I'm going with, The uh, State Farm Super Bowl. I got the the Kansas City Chiefs and the Green Bay Packers. But, yeah, man, that concludes Episode 3 of Season 2 of Joshua's Proximity. Look forward to hearing from you guys from next week. Let's go.